Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running Podcast. My name is Liz, and I will be your host. I'm excited for today's episode because it's going to be a very chilled sit-back Q&A. I love answering your questions, so just sit back and relax. We'll just jump right into the episode. All right, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited to be recording today because it's another sort of Q&A episode, but I want to call it, I don't know what I'm going to call this episode yet, but it's sort of like a life Q&A because I found that some of the questions that I have been getting from you guys recently are really interesting and really are centered around like, how do you balance like training with work or friends or just all that stuff? And I feel like even though we are nearing the end of the year, it's still a good topic to talk about because obviously a lot of us have spring marathons upcoming. So that definitely means that the training will not be stopping anytime soon. So that's going to be the sort of structure of today's episode. And I know that I've been getting some feedback recently about just like wanting longer episodes and guests. There's a lot that I am planning right now. It's just kind of hard to balance sometimes with like work and life and stuff, but all kind of having to do with today's episode because I'm going to be answering some questions and just sharing a little bit more about that. But before we get into today's episode, let's of course start with some highs and lows for the week. All right, so I feel like my highs and lows for the week are very running related. So my low for the week is that I feel like it's been really hard to get up for some of these runs early morning in the dark, especially when it's been so rainy in London lately. So I am definitely on the hunt for a much more waterproof raincoat because some of the ones that I own at the moment are definitely not. And I feel like it's really hard to get up for some of these runs. And everyone says like you just have to get through like the first mile or two. But I find that sometimes with some of these winter training runs I have to get myself to like mile three or mile four before it starts feeling good and like this morning I had a track session and literally not until the fourth interval and this is like after a two mile warm-up four intervals and I was like okay now I feel like I'm like turned on and ready to do this speed work and just like I feel like I'm more kind of like tapped in but I let me tell you winter training can be really tough with this weather and This morning was definitely cold. I know that it's going to only get colder in London. So 
I am definitely holding my breath for, yeah, I feel like I definitely need to do some more research into like finding more winter training gear to not only keep me dry, but warm as well. I know that I just did that episode on sort of how to keep warm and safe, but I feel like every year I need to like find or just like looking at like new gear and like what more can I be doing to like help me enjoy these runs a little bit more because I think that there is something to to be said about like when you do invest in like the right gear, it does help you help that activity just become a lot more enjoyable. And I feel like a solid example of that for me is hiking. Super random, but that is just something that I wanted to share. My high for the week is that I think that, and this is so like specific, but I feel like my 5k and 10k pace is getting faster. And it's really exciting because I've been like chatting with my coach a lot whenever I finish some of these sessions. And today she was actually saying that we should look into booking another race before the end of the year slash maybe early next year. And so like I completely thought that I was done for the year with races, but we may just be able to squeeze one more in. And I'm going to guess that it's going to be like a 5k or a 10k, but it's really exciting to kind of see me come back so strong. And I know that a lot of people do say that after a marathon, your 5k and 10k pace is faster. Hence why last year after Berlin and London, I was doing like, I did like a 5k race, a 10k race, a half marathon race, and I PB'd all of them. I'm not going to do three races, but we might do one more before the end of the year. But I will keep you guys posted. But without further ado, let's just jump right into the episode. All right, so today's episode is going to be super chilled and just laid back. And I think one of my favorite episodes to record is just answering questions from you guys because I feel like it's a really great way of engaging with listeners. But I just wanted to answer some questions that I have gotten. And I also just want to quickly include a little bit, like a little portion of the episode to say, first of all, thank you to everyone who continues to listen and I posted something on my Instagram recently sharing just like the trajectory of this podcast and how it continues to grow and it's super super cool and makes me like so proud that I didn't give up in the first year of creating this podcast because I think that the first year is really tough when you may not be getting so many listens and I also want to say that those who leave reviews on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate reviews and I appreciate ratings. So if you can just take a minute right now to give the podcast a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, I appreciate all forms of feedback and I do take that in. And that's why I wanted to mention at the beginning of the ep- of the episode that there are more sort of, I guess, quote unquote, exciting episodes planned with guests and sort of with just like more to share and more to discuss. But I wanted to create an episode like this today because I found it really interesting that I got a lot of questions sort of more around life than running, but also some that are like interrelated. And so I wanted to start with the first question being around how to balance work and training. Training is such a privilege based on other responsibilities and another girl sort of asking a similar question around work-life balance tips. So I think that this is something that I continue to try and like find 
balance in myself. I've not, I've definitely not figured it out yet. And I think that I definitely struggle still from time to time. I think that, you know, there's a time and place for the creativity. And I think that it's important that if you are passionate about being creative, whether that is drawing or creating social media, creating content or filming or taking photos, I think that you should definitely allocate time for that. But I think that you know, life happens. So it doesn't always sort of go to plan. And I think with things like content creation, whether it's producing podcast episodes or filming YouTube videos or, you know, Instagram reels or TikToks, that all takes a lot more than just time. It takes like your, you know, ability to be emotionally prepared to give that like 100% for that content. And I think that sometimes that can be a bit hard. And I'm just like, I'm being super honest because I want to. And I'm not, I don't want this to be in any way, shape or form like me complaining because I am so grateful to have both. And I'm not sure that I would ever sort of choose one or the other because I think for me, I really enjoy the stability of a full-time job and I don't really talk about my job very much and, you know, where how I've sort of gotten into this job. I've sort of talked a little bit about my move to London from the US and how that sort of started with a master's program and has kind of just trickled into jobs, but I primarily work in healthcare and I do enjoy it most of the time. I think that it can definitely be stressful and I think that sometimes that stress can sort of pour over into other elements of my life and I am really trying to do the work at the moment to try and like, you know, keep things separate in my life so that they're not like, say like you have a bad day at work. I don't want that to ruin like having dinner with Gabriel. And so I think that all of us, all of us obviously have our own stuff that we're working on, but I just wanted to be like super real about the fact that like I've definitely not perfected the work-life balance and so like I guess in a way I don't feel like I can be giving advice because I've not perfected it but I think that in a perfect world I would love to have like at the moment Gabriel and I try and create one evening during the week where we do our content creation and we sort of just like have stuff ready and planned and like for me I always will take like feedback from you guys and anything that you request and I put it into this little notion board that I keep full of ideas And then I think when you're then thinking about like balancing training and work, that's also like a whole nother ball game because I think it depends on if you are a morning person or an evening person when it comes to working out, whether that is running or going to the gym for you. I think that it is, it really took me a while initially with, it really took me a while initially when I was trying to do say morning runs for example and then go to work because I really found that in the beginning I was quite low energy and I think it was sort of a shock to my system and a shock to the body but I think over time my body has definitely gotten more and more used to it so if you are starting sort of on that journey of trying to introduce training into your work life and how you balance that throughout the week I'd say definitely be kind to yourself and be prepared to like forgive yourself a lot because I think it's a lot of trial and error initially and I think it's quite hard and I think that it can really it can either improve or bring your energy levels down which I think is something that we don't talk about very much and some of us will try and make up for that and like you know drinking a lot of coffee and a really high caffeine intake and I am super guilty of that like I love coffee but I think that 
there's definitely something to be said about setting routines for yourself because I think that like on a separate note, it's just really nice to have that morning routine. And as much as I sometimes might dread waking up in the morning and seeing that it's like pouring rain outside, for me, that is still a few hours of my day where it's just me focusing on my training and being able to get out for a run, maybe listen to a good playlist and just really sort of enjoy getting settled into whatever that training run may look like for the day. And so I think it's definitely something that you have to be kind to yourself with because as this question says, training is such a privilege based on other responsibilities and it's something that you are choosing to include. Whereas like I think like a full-time job is like something that you need to like pay rent and bills and things like that. And so I think that, yeah, I think that my advice there is just to be kind to yourself because it's definitely sort of a learning curve for you. But I think that it's personal and individual to you and your own journey because obviously when it comes to training, all of us are at different points in our training. So I think it's really important to find like what works for you, whether that means including your run for your commute to work or cycling to work. I think there are so many different ways that people have found to like creatively implement it to their day. Or if like your work has a gym or if you're going to go for like a lunchtime run or if you're running home from work or cycling home from work, there are so many other ways that you can also include it if you're maybe not an early morning person or late evening person. The next question asks how to maintain friendships outside of running community, especially during heavy training season. This is such a good question and I really think that I struggle with this one a lot because like especially during like a say like marathon training you like you are deep in it and you are so focused and you are increasing the mileage your body's feeling it you're hungry all the time and I think that it's really easy to fall into these running communities and for me it's super ideal to have Gabriel as a partner and as a just like someone that I live with that we get to like share in this love of running together so we're always getting up at the same time to do our runs and they're always sort of separate and sometimes we'll run together but it is really great to sort of like bounce ideas off of each other or just like talk to each other about running. So I think that with like running communities and run clubs, it is obviously really easy to like sort of go for that, especially during training season. And it's not to say that it's not something that I recommend. It's definitely something that I recommend. And I think London especially has so many running clubs. And I think it's such a good way to get stuck in and meet people who are like-minded and have similar goals to you. And that's sort of the whole purpose of RIR Run Club. We do it once a month. Ours in November is going to be at the end of the month, by the way, if anyone wants to join and you are London-based, we are going to be running in Greenwich. But it is really purposely trying to bring people together to share similar goals and see if you're running the same race and that sort of thing. And I think it really helps in your training journey as well. But then when you're thinking about these friendships outside of running and especially people who are not runners, who may not understand like why you're training so hard and why your whole life and your whole schedule is so fixated on training, I'd say that It is something that you definitely have to like take time out of your week to schedule time with those friends to sort of keep those ongoing friendships. But I think that there has to be mutual respect either way. So like you need to respect the fact that they probably don't want to hear about your running or maybe as much as you want to talk about. And they also need to respect that you are training. And maybe if you guys are going to go out to drinks per se, you know, you may not want to be drinking alcohol because you're really deep into your training. And, you know, that's sort of individual choice. But um, I think that in a way, like they 
they then need to respect the fact that you may not be drinking. So there needs to be alcohol-free options wherever you're going. And so I think that it sort of goes both ways, but I think that at the end of the day, it really is all about making sure that you are scheduling time in. And I find that sometimes with weekends becoming really centered around long runs, especially when you're getting into those longer runs and hitting like the 20s, I think it's so important to maybe look at like weekday evenings, say if you're a morning runner or if you're, you can flip that and maybe you go for a morning coffee or breakfast before work with someone if you're an evening runner and just kind of trying to incorporate that to the best of your ability. But obviously at the same time, you know, we're all busy. And so I think it's, it's hard as it is to schedule time with friends and find that time. So I'd say it's definitely something that again, you just have to work to get better at. And I think that no one's perfect at it. But again, like your friends also need to like, I think if they're the right friends, they'll appreciate and be super supportive of the fact that you're training and very focused on that. And I think that, you know, the right friends will know that you'll still be able to make that time together to see each other despite the training. I've seen a couple of questions around like tips for running in the cold, tip for running when the weather isn't perfect or while it's dark. I just did an episode on sort of like, gear specifically around how to stay warm and safe. At the end, I started to talk a little bit about ways to sort of like self-motivate yourself to get out of bed, say if you're like a morning runner trying to get out for a morning run. And I think that there is a lot to be said about like finding the little joys in your morning. And like, I think that this all feeds into what I was saying earlier about building your own ideal morning routine. And for me, like to this day, this sounds so stupid, but like I I genuinely always look forward to my banana, peanut butter, coffee, and electrolytes. But because like I know that if I get up, I will be able to go and have that and I get to have my little moment. I might scroll on TikTok a little bit and then after that, I'll be like, okay, now I'm going to get ready for this run. And I think that a lot of it comes down to like the fact that you need to find ways to motivate yourself to get out the door. And I think that obviously, if you follow me on social media, you'll have seen that my post marathon blues definitely resulted in a whole lot of online shopping. So I think that finding new gear or buying new gear is never like the worst thing. I know that running gear in itself is so expensive and then finding like waterproof and windproof gear at this time of year can be quite expensive. But I think that there is something to be said about like being able to like look forward to wearing a certain outfit or a certain top and helping you get out the door. Like Gabriel at the moment, I got him a couple of pieces from Minted New York, which is a clothing brand in New York. And he absolutely loves them. And I feel like it is like something for him that genuinely sparks joy when he puts that on and gets to go out and run around London wearing this minted New York merch. And I think that like, and for me, I guess I really still to this day, like a month later, still love wearing my Chicago merch. And just like, I think it's just like all about finding little joys. If you, you know, happen to get a new pair of trainers or, you know, I think that there's a lot of things to be said about finding just ways to help motivate you to get out the door and like maybe there will be something at the end say if you're running to a coffee shop or to get a pastry I think that that's also a really great way to find ways to like look forward to your run and try and make it easier on yourself so that you're not just like resenting the entire training run. Okay, another question asks how to plan to run multiple races in one year safely. So I feel like 2022 was a pretty bad idea of this. I did so many races and particularly I did Berlin Marathon and then London Marathon a week apart. 
do not recommend that at all because I feel like that is so bad and recipe for disaster and injury. I think that there... I think for most people and for someone like me, I've gotten into the routine where ideally I've got a spring and a fall marathon. And for some people, they only want to do one marathon a year. And that's sort of, again, particular to individuals. But for me, I really love having a spring marathon and a fall marathon and then booking shorter distance races in between. I am very highly likely considering an ultra next year. That is just something for you guys to know on the podcast. I've not like, I've not announced it anywhere. I've not shared it, but it's definitely something that I'm thinking about for like next summer just to kind of see if I am capable which I definitely think I'm capable but I think that mentally it's going to be very tough but I think that there is definitely something something to be said about planning multiple races in one year safely so if you have a coach I think that coaches can be really helpful in guiding this particular question but I think when it comes down to like life events as well as like being honestly realistic about what you need for your recovery time in between races. I think that all of these really factor into, you know, whenever you're going to book races, I think it's really important to think, okay, do I, can I honestly allocate the proper amount of time that I need to train for this race or is it too closely booked to X race? I think that there is also something to be said about how to book and plan to run multiple races in one year safely financially because I think that a lot of us might get really caught up in like, yeah, let me just book all of these races and then you're not thinking about transport, you're not thinking about how much PTO you need to book off or booking hotels, booking trains or planes or whatever you need to get there. I think that there is so much to be said, especially if you're doing any international races There is so much planning that goes into that. And when you calculate the total at the end, it is quite expensive. So I think that that is also something really important to consider when you are booking multiple races in a year. The next question asks or well starts with saying, love the longer form episodes, any marathons that you would love to try or recommend. So marathons, I definitely, well, we just watched New York Marathon and that is definitely on the list of the six Abbott World majors that I want to do anyways. But I, other than the Abbott World majors, I think that I always recommend London Marathon and I know that it is so hard to get into, but like to this day, it is my favorite race of all time and I love it and I really hope that I get to run it next year. But other than that, I think that I would really love to try I think that I'm I'm I've been trying to be a little bit honest with myself because the application that I made for the London Marathon GFA is with my Manchester time, which only falls three minutes under the time to time qualify. So I'm being a little bit honest with myself and saying, okay, if I don't get the GFA, I'm going to book another spring marathon. But I think that I, it would be a European one. So I've been looking at different ones. I have done Paris before. I really loved it. And Copenhagen, I've heard, is a good one as well. So just keeping my options open and I've always I'm always open to trying new marathons and I'm always looking to see. I feel like Valencia is definitely on sort of the bucket list or like list of races that I want to try in terms of marathons and every year I tell myself that I want to do it and then by the time that I want to do it it's sold out so I'm going to try and remember this year to book it right after because I know that it just it always every single December this time rolls around and I see everyone in Valencia in like the 
sunshine and the warmth and, you know, while we're all here in London in the cold, pouring rain. So I think that that'll definitely be something that I might try and do in the next year or so. But other than that, I think that there's a lot of great races to try and also like shorter distance races around London. I'd say that one of my favorite run through UK routes is definitely through Battersea just because it's so flat and it's such a good course. And it's one that I've PB'd every single last year. I PB'd my half, my 5K, and my 10K, as I mentioned. But yeah, those are just some of the races that I definitely recommend. So how to recover from a really bad race slash hitting the wall slash underperforming slash disappointment. So I actually did a TikTok slash Instagram reel on this the other day, literally yesterday that I'm recording this. And, you know, now that it's been literally almost exactly a month since it's a month tomorrow that I ran Chicago Marathon and it's really hard I think because every other every one of my other races that I've run this year have been mostly like good and I don't think any have been as bad as Chicago and I feel bad even labeling Chicago as bad because I never want to label a race as bad because if you are listening and you ran like a I don't know three something or a four something I don't want you to look at me and think well she ran a 332 and she's calling it a bad race like that's not what I mean when it comes I'm not like specifying it on time at all I think it's genuine it comes down to the fact that like I was super uncomfortable for 20 of the 26 miles and I went out too fast so I was so tired from like 10k on and it was just not my ideal race everything else was great the weather was great like you know outfit was great nothing was wrong with that and I think that it's just something that you need to be honest with yourself about in terms of like allow yourself to feel the emotions first and foremost I really I let myself feel those emotions and I feel like I was so glad when my coach asked me to take 10 days off of running post-race because I was like, yeah, I definitely need it physically, but I definitely really, really need it mentally because at the time after Chicago, I was just in sort of a deep, just in the trenches a little bit. And I was just not like, I was struggling for sure. And I know that I was like trying to like find the comedy of like some, you know, my crying videos and stuff, but it's not to say that those emotions aren't real. And it's something that I really struggled with. And I was like completely okay with the fact that I had no races signed up for the rest of the year. And I was so glad that I did not book the half marathon that I nearly booked for November because I was like, I do not want to run right now. I don't even want to think about running. And I think that when you're recovering from having like a really bad race or having a bad experience, I think that like it's important to A, allow yourself to feel those feelings. But if it's something that's like in regards to having a time goal that you didn't hit like me or just like maybe you DNF'd, maybe you weren't able to finish the race. I think it's important to, once you feel the emotions, also remember that it is so big that you even put yourself out there, that you gave yourself the opportunity to reach for that goal because it is a massive privilege to choose to run. I know that there are like people who do this as a full-time job, but like for most of us amateur runners, like we choose to do this, we choose to train, we choose to to, you know, sign up to coaching and like all this stuff. And I think that there's a lot to be said about like, yes, maybe you failed, but there is 
still something to be celebrated with that failure. And it's that you put yourself out there, that you allowed yourself to fail and that you get to learn from this and you get to, you know, build back up and become better for next time. And so I think a lot of it does really come down to like the mental side of it, but I've definitely been journaling a lot more recently. I've been trying to get back into that. And I think that there are different ways that you can sort of like, you know, sort of get those feelings out. And I think for me particularly, it really helps to get those feelings out on paper. So I think however you need to like, you know, support yourself in processing those emotions, I think it's really important to think about. But yeah, I think it's nothing that you should ever like continue to reflect badly on because a month later from Chicago, I am so proud of the time that I did and coming so close to a BQ and knowing that is 100% within reach. You know, I look at my Tracksmith poster on our living room wall now and I'm like, I'm so proud of myself. Like I get to call myself a 332 marathoner. And that is not what I was saying a month ago. I was not, I was not looking that way. I promise you. And like, I definitely, it's taken some time to get to where I am now in terms of just like becoming okay with how Chicago went. But I am at a point now where I am so proud of it. And I'm so glad that I did Chicago, that I'm doing Chicago again next year. So yeah. Definitely, definitely one that is a tough question, but um, yeah, just reality. Okay, the last question asks, watch updated Apple versus Garmin. Will you ever give one up for your runs? I know that I've been saying for a while that I've been wanting to do like an Apple versus Garmin review and I genuinely, A, have just never been a tech reviewer. So I think that like that's a bit daunting because I feel like you watch everyone on YouTube that does it and they're so techy. And so for me, I think like I just wouldn't even know what to talk about. But I think in terms of like giving one up, I don't think I would. I genuinely don't. I think that I really enjoy both watches for different reasons. But in terms of the one that I wear the most, it's definitely the Apple Watch Ultra 2. And it's the one that I just love wearing day to day and for like workouts as well. I will say that as someone who is trying to get herself to the gym more often during the week, I am really glad that I, that is the one time that I will only wear a Garmin or that I will only wear an Apple during a workout because I cannot stand Garmin's like strength training or gym workout setting because it just is not accurate at all to me. And it like the set, it tries to measure number of sets and it just doesn't detect you properly. So I think for me, you know, the biggest thing for me when I bought the Apple Watch Ultra 2 is that I just missed the intuitiveness of Apple and I missed having that connected to my phone so that I could see notifications on my watch, but not necessarily pick up my phone. But I will say that I do still love the Garmin. I'm still playing around with both watches, but I still love the Garmin for very specific workouts that my coach assigns me. So I know that in the next couple of weeks, she's got some very specific track workouts and they're definitely ones that I feel like I wouldn't even know how to put into Apple or I, I don't even know if it would allow me to put into Apple. But, you know, whenever you have something more than one set of intervals, Apple doesn't really allow you to put in multiple intervals or I don't know why my watch doesn't sort of let me add like another interval. But I, I really do enjoy how Garmin allows you to add and really change up an entire workout and create it in the app and choose it whether it's based on distance, time, pace, that sort of thing. And so for me at the moment, I am happy sticking to both watches while I run. It is obviously really annoying to wear both, but for me, it's just what works. And if anything, it's like if one stops working or if one dies, at least I've got the other one. So um, whether or not I will do an actual review, stay tuned. That is, I'm not saying 
saying I won't ever do it. I think that I might just need a little bit more time training to see sort of which one I prefer. But I will say that with track workouts, the Apple Watch is quite good because it detects when you are at a track and allows you to choose which lane you're running in. And so yeah, definitely pros and cons. And maybe I will come out with a whole episode or whole video on this soon. Definitely stay tuned. But yeah, I'm at the moment, I am going to be running with both and I'm not going to be looking as cool as hella good on Instagram, but with his four watches, but I've just got my two. And that's going to wrap up the questions for today's episode. I really just wanted a chance to sort of check in and just like answer some questions that you guys had on your mind. And I really enjoy sort of answering these questions because I feel like it's a really nice way to engage with you guys. And yeah, I'm really excited because as we sort of get towards the end of the year, we're definitely getting closer and closer to when Spotify Wrapped comes out. So if the Resiliency and Running podcast is in your Spotify Wrapped, please definitely tag me, send it to me. I would love to see it because it it makes me so happy to see them and it just is so crazy because I feel like in order for anything to appear on your wrapped like for the year with Spotify you have to have listened to that so many times for it to appear in like your top three or something and so if you are someone that's been listening for a long time I really really appreciate you and as I mentioned please do if you have a chance give the podcast a rating and a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and I will see you in the next episode. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resilient Insane Running Podcast. I really do hope that you enjoyed it. As always, there will be ways to connect with me in the show notes of the episode. And if you ever have any questions, feel free to send me a DM and I will answer it as soon as I can. But I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. I'm always grateful that you're here and listening. And yeah, I'll see you later. Bye.